In the past couple of shirin, we've been discussing the ideas of the relationship between the physical and the spiritual world. In order to take this discussion a step further, let's first start by taking a step back and asking a couple fundamental questions. The first question which I'd like to ask is what did Avram actually bring to the world? If you ask anyone on the street, they'll tell you that what Avram brought to the world was monotheism. That until Avram, no one believed in Hashem. But Avram brought the truth of monotheism, the truth that there is a God, the truth that Hashem exists. He brought that truth to the world. But there's a very fundamental problem with that theory which is that Avram lived at the same time as Noah. Avram was 48 when Noah died. And Noah clearly believed in Hashem and clearly um, projected that truth to the world. So how can we say that until Avram, no one believed in Hashem? But to take the question up further, Avram lived so close to Adam HaRishon, who for sure knew that Hashem existed. Just to show you how clear this is, Noah was only the third generation from Adam, meaning that Noah was alive during Mr. Shalach's life, who himself saw Adam Harishon. So Avraham was so close to the connection to a very clear understanding that Hashem existed. So what do we mean when we say that until Avraham, no one believed in Hashem? And just to take the question a step further, Avraham lived at the same time as Shem Ve'ever, who lived before Avraham. And Shem Ve'ever famously taught Torah. When Rivka wanted to understand what was going on in her room, she went to who? She went to Shem and Ever. When Yaakov wanted to learn right before going to Lavan, who did he learn with? The base measures of Shem Ve'ever. So Shem and Ever were teaching Torah. They were clearly teaching a Torah that Hashem existed, because why would Yaakov go there? Why would Rivka go there? So if we know that there are so many people before Avraham that were teaching Torah, that were teaching that Hashem existed, that knew that Hashem existed, what do we mean when we say that Avraham brought monotheism to the world? That doesn't seem to be true. So if it's not true... What did Avram bring to the world? What was Avram's Kiddush? Why do we think as Avram as the pillar or the source or the root of Judaism? What did he bring to the world? That's the first question. The second question, also relating to Avram, is why did Avram have all of his guests make brachos when he brought them to his home? Rashi says very famously that what Avram was known for was that when he brought guests to his house, he would have them all make brachos on the food Showing that the food came from Hashem. Why does this represent what Avram brought to the world? Why is this so connected to Avram Avinu? The third question is based on the very nature of Judaism itself. Judaism is a very spiritual religion. Yet if you were going to create a spiritual religion, you'd probably think of a religion that transcends the physical world. It would be a lot of meditating, a lot of contemplating, a lot of spiritual exercises. Yet if you look at Judaism, Judaism is almost completely based off of physical actions. Almost all of the mitzvahs I say, except for just a few, are physical actions. You can count on your hand how many mitzvahs I say are conceptual or intellectual or mental mitzvahs. Knowing Hashem, Yiras Hashem, Avas Hashem, maybe Los Achmod, but almost all of the mitzvahs I say are physical actions. Shaking the lula, wearing tefillin, eating matzah, giving tzedakah. These are all physical actions. So it's very strange that a spiritual religion would be so focused on physical actions. Why aren't we more focused on spiritual actions? That's the third question. The fourth and final question is why do we make Kiddush during the times that we make Kiddush? What's the nature of Kiddush and why do we make Kiddush during these specific times? So for example, we make Kiddush on Shabbos. We make Kiddush by marriage, we make Kiddush by a bris milah. What's the nature of Kiddush? And also, why do we make Kiddush with wine? 
What's the nature of wine? Why specifically do we have Kiddush with wine? So those are the four questions. Number one, what did Avraham bring to the world? Number two, why did Avraham have everyone make brachos when he brought them into his house? Number three, why are all the mitzvahs physical actions? If mitzvahs are supposed to be spiritual, shouldn't they be non-physical actions? The last question is, what's the nature of Kiddush? Why do we make Kiddush by these seemingly disconnected occasions, by Friday night and Shabbos day, by marriage, by Brasmila, why in these specific situations? And also, why do we make Kiddush with wine? So those are the introductory questions. So let's start by understanding the undeveloped or the wrong way of approaching spirituality. The undeveloped understanding of spirituality is that the physical world is a lowly, dangerous, and corrupt place. And it's a very unspiritual place. And therefore, the only way to become spiritual is to transcend the physical world. You have to get away from physical temptations. The temptations of the body, food, sexual urges, ego, all the physical dimensions of reality are low and inappropriate and will take you away from spirituality. Therefore, the only way to become pure and to become spiritual is to transcend the physical world. So, for example, much of Western society is completely stuck in the physical world. Almost the entire culture is based on the physical body, it's based on food, based on entertainment, escapism. And therefore, most of the religions of the world claim that the only way to become spiritual is to transcend the physical world. So, for example, Buddhism is almost entirely focused on escaping the physical world. They meditate in the mountains, they contemplate and meditate on their navel, they focus on the fact that they are transcending the physical dimension, and they get away from the physical world. They say the physical world is low, it's disgusting, it's an illusion, you have to get away from it. And therefore the only way to become spiritual is to get away from the physical world. And you have almost the same exact concept in Christianity. For example, the only way to become spiritual, to become a priest or a monk in Christianity, is to become celibate, to stay away from that physical relationship, to stay away from the animalistic side of man, to become spiritual, to transcend physical temptation. In Islam, you can't even own wine, let alone drink it. You can't even own wine, stay away from wine. In Judaism, when a kid is eight days old by his breast, we're already giving him wine. So we need to understand the difference between our religion and all these other religions. The difference between transcending the physical world in our perspective. <clears throat> because the deeper understanding is not transcending the physical world, but rather transcending the physical in order to come back down and use the physical world. And this comes exactly from our previous year. If you understand that the physical world is an emanation of the spiritual world, meaning that the physical world is connected to the spiritual, then you understand that the physical has so much spiritual potential as well. Now, we need to understand that it, there is a tremendous amount of truth to these other religious perspectives, because the physical world is very dangerous. The Ramchal explains there Hashem that the physical world does lean towards the negative, that it is very difficult to use the physical properly. And therefore, the physical as an end in itself is... 100% dangerous. But, when the ikr is spiritual, meaning when you're using the physical in order to reflect the spiritual, then the physical can become uplifted. So when the ikr is the spiritual, the physical can be used amazingly. But when the physical is an end in itself, when it's disconnected from the spiritual, then you get evil, then you get chaos, then you get breakdown, then you get corruption. 
So for example, eating and sleeping, if you eat and sleep in order to fulfill your purpose in life, they become amazing. The Rambam and the Ramchal explain that when you use the physical, use anything in the world, in order to enable you to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu better, then it becomes a mitzvah. It becomes part of your Avodah Hashem. But when the physical is an end in itself, when you're eating and sleeping just for an end, just because you enjoy it, just because you want it, but not for any higher purpose, then the physical becomes disconnected from anything higher, and then it becomes lowly. So now let's introduce one of the deepest concepts in all of Mahshava, which is that everything is only potential. Meaning there's nothing in the world that is inherently evil, and there's nothing in the world that's inherently good. Everything can be used appropriately or inappropriately. So, for example, electricity. You can use electricity to electrocute someone, or you can use electricity to light up a community. Money. You can use money to support Torah, to support Torah organizations, to bring good into the world, or you can use money to bring destruction and chaos and murder and evil into the world. If you have a lot of personality and charisma, or you have good looks, you might be able to inspire people or motivate people to do things. Or you can use that to inspire people to do good things. Or you can use that to sabotage and corrupt people and to get them to do things for you that aren't appropriate. So everything can be used properly or improperly. That's one of the most fundamental principles. Evil is when you misuse potential. It's when you take something that could be used properly and you misuse it. Good or tov, is when you use something for its purpose, when you use something appropriately for what it was meant to do. So when you use the physical properly and appropriately, and you uplift it, and you use it to serve Hashem, that's tov. But when you corrupt it, when you use it as an instant self, and you disconnect the physical from the spiritual, then that's what evil is. That's what misusing something means. And also, the more power something has, the more potential it has. For example, if you have 100 watts of electricity... You might be able to charge your phone, but you can also get shocked. But if you have 20,000 volts of electricity, you can charge a community, but you can also get electrocuted. So the more power, the more potential. The more money you have, the more good you can do, the more bad you can do. It's all about potential. The more potential, the more power, the more you can use it for the good, the more you can use it for the bad. That's why the Yetzer is neither good nor bad. The Yetzer is just creative force, just potential force, potential energy. But Yetzer Hara is the force that tries to move you to take that potential and that energy to the wrong direction. The Yetzer Tov is that which tries to motivate you and pull you to the right direction. But Yetzer is just potential. It's just energy force, creative force. You get to choose your free will as to whether you fulfill your potential, whether you use your potential correctly, or you get corrupted and you give in to your lower urges and you don't use your potential. And that's evil. That's bad. When you misuse potential. And that's the depth of the Gemara and Kedushin, that Laminum Abeis, that says that Torah is Tavlin. Torah Tavlin. What does tavlin mean? Tavlin is a spice. Why is Torah called a spice? Because a spice is that which brings out that which is in something else. You spice a food properly, not to give it taste, but to bring out the taste which is inside. Torah is that which enables us to become the people we're meant to be, to use our yetzer properly, to use our potential properly. We all have physical drives, we have emotional drives, we have intellectual understanding and wisdom. 
But when you're not in sync, when you don't have inner harmony, there's this inner chaos. Your intellect, the truth is telling you one thing, but your physical urges are telling you another thing. You know what you should do, but you want to do these other things. And you have this internal chaos. You're being pulled in all these different directions inside. But Torah brings out this inner harmony. It helps you use your yetzer properly. So you can use your physical drives properly. We don't negate the physical drives, we use them. We don't say you shouldn't have a sexual drive, we say that you can uplift it and use it properly. We don't say you shouldn't have a drive to eat, we say use the drive to eat to serve Hashem. Eat pro- you can use all your drives properly, or you can be used by your drives, and then use them inappropriately. When your drives control you, when you need to eat, when you need to sleep, because those drives control you, you are a slave to those drives. But when you learn Torah, when you manifest control over your drives, you use them properly, you harness control, you create this inner harmony where everything in your life, all aspects of you, are being used for the purpose of fulfilling your potential. And that is an extraordinary state of being, where you are using everything in your life and not being used by it. And that's why the Gemara says, very interestingly, that if your Yetzer is challenging you, then drag it into the base Medrash. Now, what should cross your mind? What's the problem? Why, should, why are you dragging the Yitzhahara into the base Medrash? Why are you dragging your Yetzer into the base Medrash? It should say, kill it, destroy it, or go into the base Medrash to overcome it. But it doesn't say that. It says, drag it into the base Medrash. Why? You should be getting rid of it. But the answer is so beautiful. Because learning Torah, bringing it to the Yetzir Medrash, means using that Yetzir properly. You're not supposed to overcome and get rid of the Yetzir. You're supposed to use that same energy, that same potential, that same force, just using it properly and appropriately. So you don't want to destroy it and get rid of it. You want to use it, but use it properly. And that's the beautiful depth behind the Gemara in Sukkot, that Nun Bezum and Aleph, that says at the end of time, HaKash Baruch Hu is going to shecht the Yetzir so what's the obvious question? Why is he going to shecht the Yitzhara? Just say, kill the Yitzhara. But what's shechting do? To shecht something means to be machshirit. To make it kosher. To make it appropriate. To use it properly. To shecht the Yitzhara. To shecht the Yitzhara means to make it kosher. And that's the depth of what it means to use the Yetzer properly. It doesn't mean to overcome the Yetzer. It means to use that same drive, that same inner force, but just using it appropriately. So now we can understand the Jewish perspective. The Jewish perspective is not to transcend the physical world. It's to transcend the physical world so that we can come back down and use the physical world properly. Not to escape it, but to use it. So just like Buddhism, we completely embrace meditation. We completely embrace contemplating the depth of reality, transcending the physical temptations. Precious is a means, but then we come back down and we are able to use the physical world. Christianity claims that you need to be celibate in order to be spiritual. But in Judaism, not only is it okay to get married and to have children, but it's a mitzvah to get married. It's a mitzvah to fulfill Puravu. It's an ideal. The Ramban explains that the relationship between man and wife is connected to the relationship between Hashem and Klai You're supposed to be marrying Hashem, and the mushal that you're given for that is marrying someone in this world. And now we can understand Kiddush. When do we make Kiddush? On Shabbos, when you get married, when you have a bris milah. What are all of these examples of? These are all examples of the most physical aspects of life being uplifted to become spiritual. On Shabbos, we take the six days of the week, the six mundane days of the week, and we uplift it into something spiritual, Shabbos. Bris Mila, we take the lowest aver, an aver which can be so animalistic, so misused, and we uplift it. 
Marriage, we take a relationship which can be so physical, which can be very animalistic, and we uplift it, and we uplift it with Kiddush. But the question is, why wine? Why do we make Kiddush on wine? Why not water? Why not juice? Why wine? What's special about wine? So the reason why we make Kiddush on wine is because wine is the paradigm, the most potent example of something which has so much potential to be used properly and so much potential to be used improperly. It's very easy to use your imagination to think about how wine can be used inappropriately, how you can become drunk and become so animalistic, lose all control. But the Vilnagon explains that wine is the most spiritual entity in the physical world. Why? Because wine, unlike everything else physical, which deteriorates and gets worse over age, wine gets better with age. Everything in the physical world, as it ages, it rots, it disintegrates, it falls apart. The physical body, as you get older, your body falls apart, you get weaker. Food, fruit, as it gets older, it rots, it gets spoiled. But wine, as it gets better, as it ages, it gets better. And also, so beautifully, everything else in the physical world, the more you eat it, the less of an appetite you have for it. So the more food you eat, the more stuffed you become, the less you want more food. But when it comes to wine, the more you drink, the more you're thirsty for it, the more you want. And the same when it comes to spiritual wisdom, the more you learn, the more you develop, the more you realize you don't know, the more thirsty you become for more wisdom and for more knowledge. So just like wine, the more you drink, the more you want, so too when it comes to spirituality and wisdom, the more you get, the more you want. And we don't have time to fully develop this idea right now, but wine is able to expand the consciousness. It's able to raise you to a higher state, a higher level of consciousness, which is a very, very deep topic and is very connected to how we drink wine when it comes to kadosh or holy time periods, such as marriage, rasmila, Shabbos. But wine represents this spiritual entity. But the reason why we have a wine is because it is the most potent example of something which has so much potential to be used for the good, but because it has so much potential to be used for the good, it also has so much potential, equal potential, to be misused and to be used for the bad. So now let's go back to our original questions and try to understand what Avram really brought to the world. Because it can't be that Avram brought monotheism to the world, because as all the Rishonim ask, it doesn't make any sense. Everyone knew that Hashem existed, and that was much before Avram was born. So what's really going on? So a simple understanding that a lot of the Rishonim, a lot of them at first try to explain, is that until Avraham, everyone was teaching these ideas in private. They were teaching that Hashem existed in private. So Shem and Eber were teaching that Hashem existed, were teaching Torah, but they were teaching it in private, while Avraham went out in public and was pronouncing to the entire world that Hashem existed. And that was the major difference. But there's a much deeper understanding. And that is that until Avram, everyone was teaching transcendent wisdom. Meaning that in order to be spiritual, you have to transcend the physical world. You have to become completely spiritual. So Shem and Avram were out on the mountains teaching transcendent Torah in private, that you have to get away from the physical world. And they had a great svarah. The physical world is dangerous. How can you be spiritual while embracing the physical? You'll be brought down. But Avram was the idealist. He went a step further. He said that, of course, we're going to transcend the physical, so that we're going to come back and use the physical. Of course, it's dangerous, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. The physical is not disconnected from the spiritual. 
It's an emanation of the spiritual. It's connected to the spiritual. And therefore we have to uplift, we have to use the physical world properly. Not transcend it, but use it. Of course, first you need to transcend so that you can come back down and use it. And that's why Avraham represents Judaism. Avraham is the father of Judaism. Not shame and Avraham, but Avraham. Because Avraham showed that we can uplift and use the physical world. That's why the entire religion of Judaism, all of the mitzvahs I are physical actions. We're using the physical. We're shaking the liver. We're eating masa. We're sitting in the sukkah. We're putting on film. We're not just contemplating and meditating. We're doing actions in the physical world. And that's why Avraham is the gematria of 248. Now, a lot of people don't understand gematria, and they think it's some sort of like, ooh, you know, game that people are playing, because people just quote gematrias without explaining the depth. But now that you've heard all these ideas, you can start to see how this gematria is unbelievable. Because the gematria of Avram is 248, and the amount of limbs that you have in your body are 248 limbs, and the amount of mitzvos asay are 248 mitzvosay. Because Avraham represents using your physical body, using physical actions to fulfill the mitzvosay, using the physical in order to reflect the spiritual, becoming a spiritual person by using the physical properly. And now we can also start to understand why Avram would have everyone that came into his house make brachos on the food. Because when people came in, they would thank Avram, say, thank you so much. He'd say, no, thank Hashem. But what's the depth of this? When you're eating physical foods, what do you do? What, what does it mean to make a bracha? Now we're going to give a shir on this Bezrash Hashem in a little while, and it's going to be going much, much deeper into this topic, because it's an unbelievably deep topic. But just on a very simple level, a bracha is very strange. When you make a bracha, you're saying, Baruch ato Hashem. Blessed are you Hashem. We're blessing Hashem. Hashem needs our blessing. But the Nefesh Chaim explains that we're not blessing Hashem. Bracha means that we recognize. We have hakara. We recognize that Hashem is the source of this bracha. Hashem is the source of what you're using. So you see the expressed physical entity and you're sourcing it back to Hashem. You're saying that this food that I'm about to eat, it comes from Hashem. The physical is sourced from the spiritual. But you also, when you make a bracha, you are uplifting the physical entity. You're uplifting the physical. You're doing a physical action of speech, and by doing that action, remember Avram, the action, the physical action uplifts the physical. By making a physical bracha of using your speech, you are uplifting what you're about to use. And that's why Avraham, who represents uplifting the physical world, using the physical to reflect the spiritual, would have everyone that came into his house make a bracha before they ate. And just to take this a step further, it's very interesting. In the second parak of Parshas Barashas, the Torah gives a second account of creation. It says, Eila todos hashamayim ba'aretz bihibar'am which literally means that these are the toldos, the accounts of Shemayim V'aretz, the heavens and the earth, Bihibar'am, and they're being created. Narashi quotes the Medrash that Bihibar'am is the same letters as Be'avraham. Now what's the depth of this? The Pasuk is talking about the connection of Shemayim V'aretz. Now if you remember, we discussed in the fourth year that Shemayim, represents the spiritual world, and Eretz represents the physical world. Shamayim, Shamim, there's destination, the spiritual world, while Eretz, Aratz, from the root Aratz, to run, represents the movement and process of the physical world. So it doesn't mean land and heaven, it means the physical world and the spiritual world. 
Avram represents the connection between the spiritual and the physical, using the physical to represent and reflect the spiritual, which is why in the very creation of Shemayim and Arts, the connection between the spiritual and the physical world, was the Torah telling us, Bihibaram Ba'avraham, that Avram is rooted in the connection between Shemayim and Arts, between the spiritual and the physical world. Now we can also understand how Avram was in contrast to Shem and Aver. Because Shemi Eva represented a transcendent wisdom, a transcendent Torah, a Torah which brings you out of this world, which helps you remove yourself from the physical. While Avraham represents transcending the physical so that you can come back down and use the physical. So let's try to give a couple examples to just show how Shemi and Eva represent this transcendent wisdom, an ideology which represents the spiritual in contrast to the physical, where good overcomes evil, where spiritual contradicts the physical. So where are the cases where we are told of Shemini Ever? Where are the cases where people go to Shemini Ever? Well, the first example we gave was Rivka. Now, when did Rivka go to Shemini Ever? It was when she had this battle going on in her womb. Now, who was the battle between? The battle was between Yaakov and Esau, between good and evil, between seemingly the spiritual and the physical. Now, if you're going to try to understand this cosmic battle of the spiritual versus the physical, of Yaakov versus Esau, then you're going to go to Shem and Aver. Because while Avram represents using the physical, having the spiritual reflected within the physical, Shem and Aver represent this contrast. And if she wanted to understand the contrast, who's she going to go to? She went to Shem and Aver. Who's, and when she went to Shem and Aver, she now understood this cosmic battle between the forces of Yaakov and the forces of Esau. What was the second example of someone going to Shem and Aver? When Yaakov Avinu went to the base medrash of Shem and Aver. Now when did Yaakov Avinu go to that base medrash? When he was about to enter into the evil world of Laban. In order to understand how to combat the forces of Laban, in order to understand how to overcome Laban, he had to first go to Shem and Aver, and only then could he understand how to combat those forces. Because once again, while Avram represents that harmony of using the physical, Shem and Aver represent the overcoming, or so to speak, the contrast between the spiritual and the physical. So now let's just take one step back and review what we've developed so far. We've developed a deeper understanding of how to view the physical world. That the physical world is an expression, an emanation, and connected to the spiritual world. And that our job is not to simply transcend the physical, but to transcend in order to come back down and use, to manifest control over and use the physical world in order to serve Hashem. But just to take this one last step further, the Ramchal explains in the Mesilis that the entire physical world wants to be uplifted, wants to be used in order to serve Hashem. He gives a famous example of when Yaakov Avinu left the house of Yitzchak and Rivka, that he was journeying and he came to a place where he had to sleep and he needed a pillow. So the Gemara in Chulun that Sadi Alpham Beis notes a very interesting contradiction. Originally it says that Yaakov took 12 stones, but then the Pesach says that he only took one stone. So which one is it? So the Gemara explains that each one of the stones wanted to be the pillow under which Yaakov would sleep. They wanted to be the support for the tzaddik. But since they all wanted, HaKadosh Baruch Hu fused them all, all 12, into one so all of them could be the stone that Yaakov used. The Medrash also says that when Rivka went down to draw water for Eliezer's camels, that the water flowed up to her. 
meaning that the water wanted to be used by tzaddikas. The theme of these ideas is that the physical world is meant to be used and uplifted, to be meant to be used properly in order to serve Hashem. Just to give you one last example, just think about food. Let's say you're eating a piece of meat. So that meat, that animal, had eaten, let's say, plants or other animals. And those plants had absorbed minerals. So you are now eating, when you eat a single animal, you're eating all these different minerals and plants and other animals which were eaten by the animal. So you're really eating a whole food chain. Now imagine the person that eats that food is a tzaddik. So he takes all the energy that he's getting from that food and he uses it to perform mitzvahs and to do good things and to learn Torah and to serve Hashem. He has now used all that energy, all of that food, every one of those different aspects of the physical world, he has used it to serve his purpose. And therefore by doing so, he has uplifted the minerals, the plants, and all the animals that he has eaten. But now imagine the person's a Russia, and he uses that same energy to do averos, and to waste his potential, to do evil things. He's taken that potential energy, that, that force of spiritual potential, and he's destroyed it. The theme is as follows. Every aspect of reality, the entire world, is simply potential. You can use it properly, or you can use it improperly. And that's really the truth of life. Every day, you're given a whole day of potential, and you get to choose how to use it. Are you going to maximize your potential? Are you going to use the day properly? Are you going to try to develop yourself? Or are you going to waste the day? There can't be a single day in our lives where we go to sleep having not done something productive, having not maximized some aspect of our day. The ideal would be to really use the day properly, to develop every moment, every second of the day. But at least we should start by making sure every day we at least develop ourselves in some way. We learn something new, we develop our media in some way, we become a little bit of a better person. Then it eventually adds up. Just imagine what it would be like if for the next 20 years, every day, you develop yourself a little bit. In 20 years you'll be phenomenal, you'll be unbelievable, amazing. But it's only going to happen if you make it, if you actualize that potential. So our job in life is to use our potential, to use the world to reflect its purpose. To take everything that we were meant to be and to make it real. To take the physical and make it reflect the spiritual. And to become the greatest people that we can possibly be.